the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Maybe the NBA needs to be woke up. Yeah, the NBA has been leading the way in wokeness lately. They're talking about allowing players to put social social justice messages on the backs of their jerseys to replace their names. Uh, There's talk that they'll be writing the words Black Lives Matter in large letters at the end of the quarter, maybe just a BLM, but they're going to do that uh, possibly when they resume their season in Orlando, if that ever happens. And some players have actually said that they don't think that they should even play any more games because it would distract from the Black Lives Matter movement. So the league itself and players are showing a a real interest, you know, in the promotion of freedom and non-discrimination. The only problem with that is the NBA also has a really big interest in making really big money in China, where the people in Hong Kong are about to find out who's boss in a communist country where they put Muslims in concentration camps and where people who disagree with the government, government, if if they don't get run over by a tank, uh, you know, they just conveniently disappear for years at a time. There are players in the NBA who make more money because of shoe sales and other promotions in China than they make in salary, and they make big, big money in salary. Last year, the general manager of the Houston Rockets made the mistake of um, supporting the people in Hong Kong when when the uh, demonstrations were going on over there. Uh, They were demonstrating against the Chinese government. That cost the NBA lots of money, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars because of the cancellation of some games uh, and the TV money. But LeBron James at the time said that the GM's comments were uneducated. LeBron, you see, makes big money from the NBA's friendship with China. But you probably won't be seeing any references to China being made on the uniforms of the players on the courts if they do start to play in Orlando because the NBA has to be very careful, you know, about not upsetting their totalitarian friends. Here's Adam Silver. He's the commissioner of the NBA talking to TimeMagazine.com earlier today. Adam, last time you joined us for a Time 100 Talks back in October – Um, The NBA was embroiled in an international diplomatic crisis after Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey um, tweeted in favor of Hong Kong, which potentially damaged your business relationship with China. Has that relationship improved? I I feel it has. Um, You know, our our games are on Tencent, um, the distribution platform in China. Um, You know, we've continued a dialogue um, with the Chinese, with our business partners there, in certain cases with certain government officials. And, you know, we, we're just going to keep at it. Uh, we've had a long history in China, and certainly this is a bump in the road in, in our relations. Obviously, I think we all understand each other. You know, as I've said before, you know, we come to China with a certain set of core American values and principles. And I understand also they have a different form of government and they have a different view of how things have been done, how, how things should be done. And, and, and hopefully we can find mutual respect for each other. Yeah, they do things a little differently over there, like putting people in concentration camps and making dissenters disappear. 
So uh, what we have here is Adam Silver and the NBA putting a, a, a Marxist organization's logo on their courts and talking about how much they're interested in promoting freedom and equal treatment for everybody. Why they continue, while they continue to maintain and hope to improve their relationship with a gigantic, totalitarian, Marxist, evil country. Maybe I'm crazy. There seems to be some inconsistency there. Could be just me. Anyway, when we come back, something totally different. We're going to talk to a former climate change alarmist who has written a book to apologize for trying to scare people for so long. Stick around. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. The people in this movie share three things in common. They're courageous, they've had a life-changing experience, and they're black American conservatives. These are the voices of the movie, Uncle Tom. I don't remember the actual day, but I remember the emotion that I felt when it, when it happened. I'm often asked, was there an epiphany? I started asking questions. As I became more politically aware. A lot of... The way that I saw things began to change. All of this information I've been taking in for several years. A continuation of these kind of contradictions. I had bought into all of these lies. You begin to see what the real agenda is. This is the movie the leftist Democrats do not want you to see. These are the people they do not want you to hear. Their stories will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. Their courage will challenge you. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view. UncleTom.com. Do you have the courage to discover the truth? Worried about deductibles and co-pays, dental or vision? How about elective procedures? Marley Financial has got you covered. This is John Steigerwald. Marley Financial is now offering a new health savings account that can be used for anything health-related. Anything. Co-pays and deductibles. Any prescription, even elective procedures. Marley's new turbocharged health savings account can set you free of high premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. There's even a company matching component that can provide two or even three to one in benefits. And because it's a contribution, not a premium, your value stays with you for the rest of your life. And if you recently lost your job and your health benefits, Marley has programs to get you the coverage you need when you need it most. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 and ask about their new turbocharged health savings account. That's 784-884-1496. Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the marketplace at MarleyFG.com. Relief Factor, effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. 
I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two weeks. Yes, two weeks, and my pain was gone, and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com. And then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. This is Rhett Rasmussen, president of BestHotGrill.com. We've proudly advertised on the Salem Radio Network since 2014, and you've likely heard about our hot, fast Solaire infrared grills, realistic fireplace gas log sets, contemporary fireballs, and stylish Bromic patio heaters. For those who can purchase now, we are offering, for a limited time, a 15% discount and free shipping at our online store, which you may access through BestHotGrill.com using coupon code STRONG. That's STRONG during checkout. But if you can't by now, I have a special offer just for our valued Salem Radio listeners who contact us for a quote by April 30. I will lock in the prices, the 15% discount, and free shipping until the end of this year so you can purchase when you are ready. Contact us for a quote by April 30 and you have until December 31, 2020 to pull the trigger. So go to BestHotGrill.com that's BestHotGrill.com to buy now with code STRONG or contact us for a locked in quote. BestHotGrill.com this is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, here's something you haven't heard much about during the coronavirus hysteria and the riots and demonstrations, climate change. Now, I'm guessing the climate is still changing. We just don't hear about it as much. If you listen to this show over the last couple of years, you know that I qualify, I think, as a skeptic. Michael Schellenberger has been a climate activist for about 30 years, and he's written a book and he's apologizing. It's called Apocalypse Never. Michael joins us now. Michael, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. So what are you apologizing for? Well, I contributed. I wasn't as bad as some people, but I certainly contributed to the alarmism. I've said that climate change was an existential threat to civilization, that it's a crisis. I think it's obvious that it's not those things. Um, you know, even if you think we've overreacted to the coronavirus pandemic, there's 500,000 people that have died from it, and right. it's had a big impact on economies. So I think that's what a crisis looks like, uh, not climate change. So uh, the thing is, uh, you know, it's one thing for you to have been a, you know, a, a, a major scientist who's been involved in this and, and dealing with it for 30 years, and... Uh, it's one thing for you to say that it's an existential threat, but those two words are coming out of the mouths of people who are could possibly become president of the United States, like Joe Biden, and um, and and he's he's taken on uh, Alexandria uh, Ocasio Cortez to be his environmental advisor, and she's out there saying that the world's going to end in twelve years if we, you know, if we if we don't get rid of fossil fuels. So. Um, you know, how does that get reversed? And, and what, what do you have to do to get those people to come around to where you're thinking now? Well, I think if anything comes out of the book, Apocalypse Never, is that people should know two things. First, carbon emissions in rich countries have been going down for decades. 
They actually peaked in Britain, France, and Germany in the mid-70s. They've been going down in the United States for 15 years, mostly because of the transition from coal to natural gas, thanks to the fracking revolution. And then the second thing is that deaths from natural disasters have declined over 90% in the last 100 years. They have actually declined to 80% in the last 40 years, which is amazing, right? It's great news. It means that fewer of our family members are being killed by hurricanes and and, and tornadoes and floods and droughts and so and heat waves and all the rest. So and and that's and that's happened at a time when the population has quadrupled. So you know the 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 alarmism is hurting kids. It's hurting adolescents. I, part of the reason I wanted to write Apocalypse Never is because my daughter's fourteen. She's fine. Her friends are terrified. They don't know if they're going to be live long enough to have kids. So I wrote Apocalypse Never because I felt like all of the best available science, often uh, from the, the, the leading bodies, the leading publications, it needed to be summarized in a single place. I, I have a lot of stories um, that I think are fun stories for people. It's an, ex- it's a, it's an accessible book. I'm hoping high, even high school students uh, should be able to read. It's called uh, Apocalypse Never, Why Environmental Alarmism Hurts Us All. It sounds like high school <laughs> students should be required to read it. Aren't they getting the opposite in school right now? They are, though, you know, I don't really blame the teachers. Um, You know, I think the teachers are just repeating what they hear from the media. And so it's Mm -hmm. basically a process of alarmist, you know, concentration or what you might, you know, and when you think about the environmentally, I think about how, you know, when animals lower on the food chain eat toxic, you know, things like mercury, it accumulates in bigger animals. Well, I think in this case... You know, there's, it starts with a little bit of alarmism at the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, to whom I serve as an expert reviewer, so I, I, the criticism is being made from inside the family here, but mm-hmm. uh, it starts a little bit with them and their summaries, but then it gets to the news media, and then it gets to the activists, and each stage along the way, uh, you're basically taking something that says, look, it's, it's real, uh, climate change is occurring, it's not the end of the world, um, and it's a manageable problem. It's a problem. It's something we need to manage, but it's not the end of the world. And you get from that to we have 12 years before we all go up in a, in a, in a ball of fire. And so I think that's how it occurs. I think the teachers are in some ways just as much victims of this as everybody else is. Yeah, you mentioned fracking, uh, and uh, again, the, the, that's going to be a big fight here in western Pennsylvania. Uh, when Joe Biden comes to town, uh, if he comes to town and, and says he's going to be, he's interested in eliminating fracking, there are a few hundred thousand people who uh, might be thinking about their paycheck when he says that. Um, and um, but the, the 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 media will be on his side on that. Not maybe maybe not locally, but nationally, the media. It, most most people in the media will tell you that fracking is evil and people are being poisoned by the water, and it's a terrible thing. I mean, it's crazy, right? Because everybody knows natural gas is a better fuel than coal. And I guess in particular, people who live in Pennsylvania know that. I mean, we burn natural gas in our home, right? So, I mean, how did we ever imagine that fracking was somehow worse for the environment, you know, than coal mining, which is what it's replacing? I, in, in, when I was doing the research for Apocalypse Never, I was so surprised by what I learned. There's a chapter called... Uh, greed saved the whales, not Greenpeace. And in it, I show that 
We actually saved the whales twice. The first time was by using petroleum rather than whale oil for, for lighting in the 19th century. And then in the 20th century, the Europeans stopped using whale oil and started using palm oil and other vegetable oils. Well, that's, that's, that's totally, Greenpeace didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, this was all because of capitalist ingenuity and techno- technology and innovation and American know-how. So Apocalypse Never is telling you uh, the, the true story of how humans save nature, and it's by becoming prosperous. It's through economic development. You know, we go from using wood and dung to coal and hydroelectric dams to using petroleum, natural gas, and ultimately, I think, nuclear power because it uses so efficient, it uses so few resources. So most environmentalists, if they really cared about the environment and climate change, would be demanding that we become like France and rely mostly on nuclear power. Yeah, and what about renewables? Uh, wind and solar, uh, are they going to save the planet? So the problem with all renewables is that the fuels in the case of sun, sunlight and wind are the fuels, or wood for fuels, they're all considered renewables, or even water, is that they tend to be very dilute. And so you have to, use, you have to grind up a lot of the natural world to use solar and wind. To give you a sense of it, it takes about 400 times more land to generate the same amount of electricity from a solar or wind farm as it does from a natural gas plant or a nuclear plant. Well, I thought we were trying to save the environment. Renewables would massively expand the human footprint, so to speak. So, you know, uh, everybody knows that we couldn't have had the Industrial Revolution with wood. We had to start (laughs) using coal. You had to have a lot of power and the power density from coal mining. And I think that's mostly a very, very positive process for both people and nature to go from things like burning wood to then burning coal to then doing what we're doing now, which is switching to natural gas and and hopefully in the next few decades um, switch to uranium in nuclear power plants. We're talking to Michael, excuse me, Michael Schellenberger. He's the author of a book called Apocalypse Never. uh, And he has publicly said he'd like to apologize for his alarmism uh, over the years when it comes to the environment. Excuse me. Um, So, um, we, I've had people on the show here to talk about uh, wind and solar. One, one of the good examples I thought that I'm thinking about right now was um, like the, if the people in New York want to uh, eliminate, like people like their mayor, de Blasio, he wants to have uh, all renewable energy. I don't know, when we pick the year, 10 years, 12 years, whatever it is. And uh, the problem is for, the, for if you want to build enough solar panels or windmills to power New York City, you can't put them in New York City, so you have to put them somewhere down upstate. And so the people who would have all the windmills in their backyards um, and, uh, and the uh, solar panels would be out in the country, in the rural areas, so that the city could be powered. Isn't that kind of what would happen? Yeah, well, the developers of industrial wind turbines, these are gigantic machines, by the way. They can be 80 stories high. Really ugly, too. They- Really ugly. They kill birds and bats. Um, mm-hmm. They're very bad for wildlife, which is a whole chapter of my book. I, I point out that the, the wind developers, the industry, they say there's the Starbucks rule, which is that you can't put any wind turbines within you know, a certain distance from a Starbucks because uh, you know, the people that like to go to Starbucks won't tolerate wind turbines near them. 
I think it's a sign of disrespect. One of the many signs of disrespect that people on the coasts show to people in the heartlands, which is they, we, we, you know, the people on the coast, we put them down. We say they're flyover states. Uh, and then we put this kind of garbage energy in their backyards. And, and then we accuse them of being climate deniers when they say they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the, the true environmentalists are the people defending their backyards from these gigantic wind turbines, which kill yeah. golden eagles, bald eagles. Uh, they kill, they're, they're at risk of killing whooping cranes now in the sand hills of Nebraska. I, my, the chapter on renewables in the book is called um, Destroying the Environment in Order to Save It. And that's exactly what's happening with the expansion of industrial wind turbines and these industrial solar farms. So how many in the, uh, in the um, climate alarmist uh, group, people uh, are, are like you were, for afraid to disagree with the dis- disinformation you saw being spread because you thought you'd lose friends and funding? Uh, you write, I think you wrote in your book that that's, or you, I saw somewhere that that's the reason that you kind of kept quiet for a while. I have lost friends and funders. In fact, I, I've lost them in two separate uh, episodes, which is quite nerve-wracking and distressing um, and, and sad. Um, but, you know, there's just some things that are more important than, than hewing to the, what the herd wants you to say. And so I felt compelled to speak out uh, a lot of different reasons. I mean, in addition, because I was worried about the impact on kids, I was also worried about the impact on poor countries. I mean, basically, the radical left operating as environmentalists have forced the World Bank to stop funding development and fund various charitable activities that restrict growth rather than enable it. So, you know, the World Bank used to fund roads and hydroelectric dams and electric grids and sewage systems, and now it funds empowerment workshops and, and trainings, and they provide poor people with a solar panel and battery so they can stay on the farm. I mean, it's really quite um, sinister when you really get down to what's motivating what is called environmentalism, but in practice is a way of kind of putting people down, keeping people down, and doing it in a way that actually expands humankind's negative environmental footprint. We're talking to Michael Schellenberger. He's written a book. Uh, we have a couple minutes left here. The book is Apocalypse Never. Michael, uh, what you're saying there is, is pretty scary. Um, if you, this, You're someone who was in the middle of this movement for so long, and uh, what you're telling me, it seems, is that when I see people uh, from the movement who are are respected and, and supposed to be really smart people and a lot smarter than I am about the environment, if I see them on television talking about this stuff, I should be very skeptical about whether they even believe it or if they know exactly what you just said about the harm that's being caused and are doing it anyway. And that's I mean, there are a lot of people out there uh, promoting this, Michael. There, I think, I think in, in my, the book ends on a more gentle note, and I point out that people are in the grip of a religion, and they don't know it. So I think where most Jews and Christians know that they're Jewish and Christian, environmentalists, they don't, they don't know that they're in the grip of an apocalyptic, pseudoscientific religion. They think that they're being true to nature, which is the new God, and to, sci- and to science, um, when, in fact, most of what they believe is wrong, 
And when they hear the truth, like I, the, some basic facts, like the ones I put out in my article last week, and in that, I'm sorry, it was actually earlier this week on Monday, um, and also in my book, they actually react as though somehow something false has been said. So I think we, we should be just aware of the fact that um, we should forgive them because they really do not know what they're doing. <laughs> Well, I'm out of time, Michael. A very enlightening conversation and one I'll remember for a while. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, Michael Schellenberger. The book is Apocalypse Never. Check it out. We'll see you in a minute. Stick around. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. With coronavirus infections surging across parts of the U.S., states in the midst of reopening are hitting pause on some plans to lift restrictions. Outbreaks in Florida, Arizona, Texas, and California have already forced those states to take measures to limit crowds and shut down gathering places. New York Mayor Bill de Blasio says the city is delaying its resumption of indoor dining at restaurants. Not because of any rise in cases in the city, but because of upticks elsewhere. U.S. companies added nearly 2.4 million jobs in June. The payroll company ADP says small businesses reported the largest gain, adding 937,000 jobs. Stocks finishing mixed on Wall Street, even as gains for technology stocks pushed the Nasdaq to another record close. The Dow off 78 points, but the Nasdaq picked up 95. This is SRN News. This is the Entertainment Answer. Fans of the Food Network should try these new tasty options. Giada at Home is back. Chef Giada De Laurentiis welcomes us into her home to share her favorite recipes for easy and casual summer entertaining. Plus, the only show I would ever be invited on, Chef Ann Burrell calls in Iron Chef and Chop Judge Alex Gornicelli to help her whip 14 of the worst cooks in America into culinary shape on the new season of Worst Cooks in America, again, all on the Food Network. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's Home Advisor. Home Advisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. A lot of towns have a river. Some have two, but nobody has three. Nobody but us. We're Pittsburgh. The city of bridges, 466 bridges, the most in the world. Take that, Venice. We're a renaissance city that refuses to say die. Might as well say we invented ketchup. But the best thing about this town is the neighborhoods. The best friend or neighbor you ever had lives right down the block. Great people. That's what makes Pittsburgh what it is. And you have a station that gets that. AM 1250, The Answer. Now streaming on SalemNow.com is the brand new film, Selfie Dad. Selfie Dad, a funny yet powerful movie about a Christian dad in a midlife crisis. When confronted with the life-changing truths of the Bible, he learns the only way to have true happiness. God can do incredible things. Selfie Dad stars Christian comedians Michael Jr. and Shonda Pierce. Watch Selfie Dad at SalemNow.com and use promo code Pittsburgh to save 20%. That's SalemNow.com, promo code Pittsburgh. 
Learning has definitely changed these days. What hasn't changed is the unwavering support parents received from their local Christian school. Many were quick to adapt to the new normal with remote classes taught by caring teachers who pray for students and their families every day. With many schools offering half-price tuition for first-time enrollees, like Eden Christian Academy in the North Hills, it's a great time to consider Christian education. Find a school that's right for you at theanswerpgh.com slash tuitions. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Our specialty cleaning services can provide the peace of mind your customers and employees need when you reopen your facility. Contact us today. Demand the yellow van. Call Service Master. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. We have developed a comprehensive facility reopening guide for businesses preparing to re-enter the workplace. Visit ServiceMasterGreaterPGH.com to download yours today. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got The Answer. Watch out for an accident. This is on William Penn Highway at Rodi Road. Now, the Parkway East still seeing plenty of delays outbound Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. About a five-minute jam-up. Same inbound Edgewood-Swissvale to the tunnel. Got an accident just cleared from the inbound Parkway North. Right at the Fort Duquesne Bridge, still tied up from Ohio River Boulevard on down. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Clear tonight, low 63, mostly sunny for Thursday, high 88. Thursday night, clear, low 65, partly sunny, hot on Friday, high 93. Saturday, partly sunny, humid with a shower or thunderstorm, mainly later in the day, high 89, partly sunny on Sunday, high 89. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Every once in a while around here, I try to have a coronavirus-free show and a riots and demonstrations-free show, too, every once in a while. We're halfway there, talking about climate change in our last segment. Now something else that I've always been interested in, the war on drugs and whether it does more harm than good. Dr. Carl Hart has written a lot on that subject. He's written a book called Drug Use for Grown-Ups, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear. He joins us now. Dr. Hart, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, has, the, uh, has the war on drugs done more harm than good? Uh, wow, if we're asking that question, we're way behind. Uh, of course it's done more. <laughs> it's done more harm to society in general than good. But for law enforcement, it has done more good than harm because it's a way to make sure that we keep law enforcement and prison officials and their budgets big. So for them, it's been a boom. But for the rest of us, uh, we got screwed. So, but this is something that's promoted as a good thing and that that drugs are evil and having a war against drugs so, waging a war against evil is a good thing. Wait, only people who believe that are people who are intellectually uh, challenged or children. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's uh, you, that. I don't want to have the conversation at that low level because I can't do that anymore. I'm too old for that. 
you know, uh-huh. we think about alcohol. Alcohol is a drug. We think about caffeine. Caffeine's a drug. We think about cocaine, heroin. We think about morphine. All of these drugs, they all have the potential to do good, and they also have the potential uh, for people to get in trouble with. But but when you look at the totality of it, drugs do far more good than harm. Um, except if you are moralistic and can't think, and that's something different. And I have no interest in participating in conversations with people like that. So I can't do that anymore. It's like saying, is sex good or bad? It's stupid. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, your work has been in studying the neuroscience of drug use. So what do you think is the biggest misconception uh, that non-users have of cocaine, uh, meth, heroin, the big ones? Yeah, I think the biggest misconceptions from a brain perspective is that these drugs uh, damage your brain. Um, and that's just not true. The doses that people use for recreational use, the doses that get people high, they don't do damage to your brain. Uh, so that's a big misconception. When we think about drugs that, for example, that might hurt your body and we use relatively freely, uh, think about something like acetaminophen. If you take uh, a dose, uh, you take like, I don't know, 10 of 20 pills a day of acetaminophen uh, for a couple, uh, several consecutive days, you can shut down your liver. Uh, um, We don't talk about that drug like it's so dangerous, but it certainly is potentially dangerous, but uh, it also has potential beneficial effects. That's why we use it. So um, uh, all of these things have potential good effects and negative effects. Yeah, and so I mean, it's the it's the it's the abuse of any drug that's the problem. Then it's pretty obvious. Well, I mean, when people overdo an activity, whether it's eating food, whether it's driving too fast or unsafely, whether it's taking drugs, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. And the same people who get in trouble with with, with uh, driving too fast, not paying their bills, and all the rest of those sorts of things are the same people who will have problems with drugs. It's not a secret. And, and the simple thing is, is that the that the government, by outlawing drugs, recreational drugs, um, it, it happened during prohibition. That you, you create the black market and you create uh, a good living for some people who end up, if they take part in that, in prison. Yeah, when you the prohibition example, alcohol prohibition example is a nice one because when we implemented prohibition in 1919 to 1933. One of the things that we saw was that people got maimed and killed. Tens of thousands of Americans were maimed and killed from tainted alcohol. Um, You don't hear anybody being maimed or killed in that way today from alcohol because it's illegal and we have this quality control. Today, you hear about people dying from uh, opioid-related deaths largely because of tainted opioids, because of um, poor quality, or they don't know what they're getting, all of those sorts of things, those problems went away with alcohol when we regulated the alcohol market. So are are you saying that the solution would be to allow these drugs and regulate them the way alcohol and, for that matter, nicotine and so many other drugs are regulated? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, how the, how we do it specifically for each drug might look somewhat differently, 
for example, like with tobacco, I think you have to be 18 to purchase tobacco, but with alcohol, right. you have to be 21. Uh, with something like cocaine, it might be a different age, a different type of requirement. But yes, I, I'm saying we should regulate it. Uh, because if we do, then we will be also consistent with our um, founding document that guarantees the birth, these three birthrights to all American citizens, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So long as you don't impinge on somebody else's ability to do the same. And many people take drugs in the pursuit of happiness, guaranteed by our Declaration of Independence. But most Americans don't know what it means to be an American. Well, you mentioned uh, alcohol, and uh, you know that's that's uh, you know people people it's a drug, and people are allowed to drink it and allowed to take part in it. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Carl Hart. He's written a book called uh, "Drug Use for Grownups: Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear." Um, so. Um, what do you think about the um, the the goods and bads of uh, the legalization of marijuana? Good idea? Is it working? Have they gone too far? Not far enough? Uh, I think the, the the federal government has kind of um, let the states experiment, and that's uh, that's one approach because. One of the things that might happen is that they will check out the best sort of experiment, whatever state has the best policy, uh, policy being the, it, it balances potential harms and benefits better or well. Uh, so that, that, that's a, that might be a good approach, just waiting to see which approach should be applied to the federal level. But at some point, the federal government will have to step in and also do the same sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a step in the, in, the, in the right direction. Um, most Americans, 30, uh, what is it, 11 states now allow uh, recreational legal marijuana, and it's, um, it's growing that number. So I think Americans are kind of waking up to that idea that, hold up, I want to use marijuana as part of my life, liberty, and in pursuit of happiness. Why can't I? And so I think, yeah, I think that's good. But so do you feel the same way, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm only asking these questions because I want to get it from you because you wrote the book on the subject. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on, what I, on, on, on the belief that uh, the, the war on drugs has done much more harm than good. But I'm just trying to get from you. You've researched this stuff. Um, if, you, if you make cocaine not – if you decriminalize cocaine – does it automatically follow that more people will use cocaine or will just the people who already use it will be left alone? Uh, I think that initially you might have more people trying it because, you know, people say it's illegal, so therefore I won't do it. But it's legal. I always have been curious, so now I might try it. Uh, so you might have an increased number of people using the substance. Uh, Nothing's wrong with that. I mean, as long as we uh, provide education to make sure we have the appropriate unit dose, that is, when you think about something like alcohol in a beer can, we don't put enough alcohol in a can of beer to kill you. And so we control the, the unit dose and we do education and we have some sort of requirement before people can purchase it. Uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with more people using a substance, um, and and sometimes uh, researchers kind of use that as an indicate as an indication that this is bad. Um, that's moralism, and that's uh, puritanical uh, thinking, and that's not what uh, our country was founded. Well, at least not not in terms of 
impending on individuals' civil liberties, their choice to do it if they decide to. See, I'm, I, I'm, I have a very libertarian view on this stuff, but, but here's, here's where I come down uh, on the other end of it, is that uh, I, I don't drink and I don't do drugs, but, and I think people should be allowed to do whatever they want as long as it's not bothering me, but uh, I also have zero patience for people who drive drunk and think that the penalties aren't nearly severe enough for people who um, do it and get caught doing it. And so where do you come down on penalties for people who, you know, they go from doing something, as you say, the pursuit of happiness, their pursuit of happiness makes me very unhappy because they ran over my dog or my, my wife or my kid. Uh, of course. We have penalties for people who... who um uh, infringe on other people's ability to do the same. Yeah, of course there should be penalties for that sort of thing. Otherwise, you can't have a society. Um, and we have to decide which penalties are appropriate. But absolutely, I absolutely agree. The idea is the only way we can have uh, the sort of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is that you don't impinge on other people's ability to do the same. Now, um what happened when you gave people the choice between $5 and crack cocaine? You know, an experiment you did. Uh, that was an experiment uh, nearly 20 years ago, but it was one of the important ones because um, at the time I, I had believed that uh, these were people who were what we would call crack cocaine addicted. So they met criteria for cocaine, crack cocaine addiction. And at the time I believed that if you gave a person who was addicted to crack cocaine a choice between a hit of crack cocaine and something else, no matter what, they would take the crack cocaine because they were so badly addicted and this drug was so addictive, powerfully addictive, that they couldn't help themselves. Uh, but what we found in this experiment, when we gave them multiple choices, $5, uh, a choice of $5 and a choice of crack cocaine, a nice hit of crack cocaine, what, what we saw when you have an amount like $5, it would take $5 on like about half the occasions and then drug on the other half of the occasion. But when you increase the amount of money to something like $20 per hit, um, they almost always take money as opposed to drug. And you can see this across different drugs like methamphetamine, um, heroin, all of these drugs. And so what it told us is that people, even when they're addicted to drugs, can and do behave rationally. And that was one of the things I didn't think people could do. And so um, um, that was educational for me uh, and hopefully the scientific community as well. Uh, we're finishing up here. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left with uh, Dr. Carl Hart. The book is Drug Use for Grown-Ups, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear. We're hearing a lot uh, about black-on-black -black, uh, murders in Chicago, Baltimore, other places uh, now. How much of that problem goes away if drugs uh, are taken out of the equation? Well, first of all, when people talk about black-on-black -black crime, it's a trap. It's stupid. Uh, because when we look at murder rates for white people, more white people mm -hmm. kill more white people and more white people perpetuate, uh, perpetrate crimes against white people. It's a matter of proximity. So this notion mm -hmm. of black on black crime, it's a false sort of argument. And, but when we think about drugs and regulating the market, what does that mean for the black market in general? What that means is that the same thing that happened with alcohol. 
uh, these folks will have to find another activity in order to uh, continue their enterprise. Uh, I'm from Miami, and so um, I grew up in a household where, for example, my mother, she ran numbers, and that was uh, gambling. And when we legalized gambling in Florida, that put her out of business, and so she had to find another way to make money. Same sort of thing will happen with the drug trade. Yeah, and, and so what was the effect of the crack cocaine laws in the 80s? The effect of the crack cocaine laws in the 80s were vast. Um, they, that started this sort of era of mass incarceration, if you will, because what it was, we, for the first time, well, we went back to mandatory minimums, meaning that we required people to spend a mandatory minimum time of five years in prison for small amounts of crack cocaine. To trigger the same penalty for powder cocaine, they had to have a hundred times more powder cocaine. And we had outlawed mandatory minimums in the 50s because we didn't think they worked and they didn't work like we thought they should work. Um, and so we brought that back and they're still with us. And um, it contributed to our prisons getting more and more people and an increased the budgets of various law enforcement agencies, the DEA, local law enforcement, and and so it was a great. It's a great time for law enforcement, but for everyone didn't else, work. well, it didn't work for you and me as citizens. But it certainly yeah. worked for law enforcement because they get overtime, they make money, they retire, they have these nice retirements, they all of these sorts of things. It really works for them, but not for us as citizens. We're getting screwed. It's because our liberties are being taken away and our tax dollars. Hey, Dr. Carl Hart, uh, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm fresh out of time. Uh, Drug use for grownups, chasing liberty in the land of fear. Thanks a lot for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, see ya. That's Dr. Carl Hart. I'll be right back. Armchair psychologists have tried and failed to throw doubt on President Trump's sanity, but there's a new book that puts truly insane rulers in historic perspective. It's called History's Nine Most Insane Rulers. Author Scott Rank has unearthed the real lives of the nine most mentally unbalanced leaders through the ages. Some suffered from schizophrenia, like King Charles VI of France, who thought he was made of glass. Then there's Ottoman Sultan Ibrahim, the first who practiced his archery skills by pointing his arrows at his palace servants. And how about the president for life of Turkmenistan, who named the days of the week after himself? There's a serious side to all this. Power can be addictive and destructive for those who hold on to it for too long. This book, History's Nine Most Insane Rulers, takes an in-depth look at the toxic mixture of absolute power and insanity. Are insane rulers a relic of the age of monarchs? Get the surprising answers in the new book, History's Nine Most Insane Rulers by Scott Rank. Order it today at Amazon or wherever books are sold. The people in this movie share three things in common. They're courageous, they've had a life-changing experience, and they're black American conservatives. These are the voices of the movie, Uncle Tom. I don't remember the actual day, but I remember the emotion that I felt when it, when it happened. I'm often asked, was there an epiphany? I started asking questions. As I became more politically aware. A lot of 
the way that I saw things began to change. All of this information I've been taking in for several years. A continuation of these kind of contradictions. I had bought into all of these lies. You begin to see what the real agenda is. This is the movie the leftist Democrats do not want you to see. These are the people they do not want you to hear. Their stories will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. Their courage will challenge you. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view. UncleTom.com. Do you have the courage to discover the truth? Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal, and families are getting out to shops, stores, and restaurants. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Business recovery plans should be ready to go right now. The marketing team at Salem Surround is ready to help, so you don't waste a minute or a dollar recapturing market share. We'll help design your recovery plan targeting potential customers with proven marketing strategies. With everything in our toolkit working for you. Digital, audio, mobile, even audience-engaging contests and promotions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital marketing plan. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. This is Rhett Rasmussen, president of BestHotGrill.com. We've proudly advertised on the Salem Radio Network since 2014, and you've likely heard about our hot, fast Solaire infrared grills, realistic fireplace gas log sets, contemporary fireballs, and stylish Bromic patio heaters. For those who can purchase now, we are offering, for a limited time, a 15% discount and free shipping at our online store, which you may access through BestHotGrill.com using coupon code STRONG. That's strong during checkout. But if you can't buy now, I have a special offer just for our valued Salem Radio listeners who contact us for a quote by April 30. I will lock in the prices, the 15% discount, and free shipping until the end of this year so you can purchase when you are ready. Contact us for a quote by April 30, and you have until December 31, 2020 to pull the trigger. So go to besthotgrill.com, that's besthotgrill.com, to buy now with code STRONG, or contact us for a locked-in quote. BestHotGrill.com This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, I failed. I wanted to do the show without talking about the coronavirus, but there's news. Uh, here it comes from Pennsylvania. Governor Tom Wolf's administration moved Wednesday to expand its indoor mask order to public places outdoors where social distancing is impossible. Since April, Wolf's administration has had a standing order that businesses must require employees and customers to wear masks. Under the new order, a mask or face covering must be worn whenever anyone leaves their home and where it is consistently impossible to remain six feet away from other people. A few exceptions include anyone who cannot wear a mask due to a medical condition, anyone in a job which wearing masks would create unsafe conditions, including operating equipment, blah, 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 anyone who cannot remove the mask on their own, children under the age of two, and individuals who are communicating or trying to communicate with someone who is hearing impaired. Uh, Here's my response to that. No. (laughs) You know, okay? I am not wearing a mask outside walking around. I'm not doing it. I'm not leaving my house with a mask on. I'm not doing it. Now, 
If it means I can't go anywhere, then I'm staying in my house and I'm not coming out until Uncle Tom and Aunt uh, Rachel, I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, His Excellency, His Excellency Tom and Aunt Rachel tell me I can come out. Because I'm, I'm not walking around outside in an 85-degree day with a mask on. I'm not doing it. It's dumb. And I, I'm not doing it based on my own arrogance or my own um, a lack of uh, respect for other people. I'm doing it based on Dr. Cyril Wecht. He told me it's stupid. So I'm not going to do it anymore. Throw me in prison. Do whatever you want. I'm not wearing a mask outside. I'm just not. Now... Maybe that means you won't see me anywhere because I'll be hiding in my house, but I'm not doing that. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.